Thank you for being here today, by the yeah. way. In fact, let's start Great with that. Yeah. Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody that's listening and watching? Yeah, Thomas McAndrew, founder and, and CEO of Enchanted Rock. No kidding. Now, um, that's a lot of stuff there because Enchanted Rock is, how did you come to that name? Yeah. So, uh, for the application that you were, C- I mean, for that company. You know, uh, I wish that I could have like the, the, some specific story, but like a lot of things, I think in my life, I kind of stumbled into that a little bit. This was, uh, 2002 and, and, uh, had a, my son and I had a deer lease out in Lukenbach, a good, good friend from college. I went to A&M. I was in the, in the core with this, this guy, uh, Sean McCaffrey and, um, his grandmother's maiden name is Lukenbach and they have, they have a big ranch out there in, in, in Lukenbach. Is this and, just a coincidence? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, they're part of the Lukenbach family, right? And so, uh, used to spend a lot of time out there you know, back, back in college and through the years. And, and, uh, this was, uh, post Calpine, I'd left Calpine and, and the whole kind of merchant power business collapsing in on itself after, uh, Enron collapsed. And then a lot of the independent power producers did quickly followed suit for different reasons. Uh, they just, it was a big overbuild. And I'd, I had left Calpine in, in the summer of, of 2002 and and just said, man, what the what the heck am I gonna do? And um, I did the, the whole kind of the, the the merchant power business and the stuff I'd been doing uh, seemed a little bit tired. And and what I had done just previous to Calpine uh, started this company called Progressive Power Solutions, and and we were looking at uh, on-site generation. Uh, for reliability purposes, we're investor-owned, and we would sell it as a service to, to critical infrastructure-type customers. Again, this is in 2000. Um, and and uh, and then optimize, sell back to the electric grid to reduce the cost. And it sounded like a great idea. Um, we quickly found out that the electric grid was not willing to pay so much for the option um, on those plants this is in, in California, actually in East Bay, working with um, Sun Microsystems. Actually, Casey Mayers was at Sun, and, uh, and who's at, at Advantage now. And so working with Casey back then, and and uh, Small World, um, and and uh, so we we got to we're working at at a at a wow um, one of their manufacturing facilities. I think it was in Newark, uh, on East Bay, and and. Uh, but the, we quickly found out the last mile connectivity that we needed to communicate with what we call now microgrids. And back then, I don't know what we really called them. Um, the last mile connectivity wasn't there. Um, the on-site controls, uh, they they just either didn't exist or they're too expensive. And, and again, the electricity grid was a little bit immature in its ability to pay for the option value, ability to call on, on these types of plants, these uh, backup power plants. And so... Um, we ended up selling that that business to Calpine, and so we're going to put that on ice. At the time, Calpine had a a business called Sea Star Power, which was actually set up to to provide backup power to to the the first wave of data centers back then, in in, in two thousand. Um, and uh, they were looking at at big turbines, and it it was kind of a little bit too big maybe for what what the the data centers needed, but. But they were at least interested in the business, and and so we sold the business to them. And, and actually, the real reason they bought it is the guy that was 
over their their trading risk management group wanted me to put together the the group that I had been working with at the previous company, Statoil, to come help manage their their um, their their power plant build out in the West and and in California, Arizona, other other locations out west, up in up in Oregon as well, and um, so we did that for about two years. Um, Calpine kept building, and and we kept selling, and left them a pretty good book of business with a lot of different customers. And but at that point, <clears throat> most of the the independent power producers like Calpine had gone from investment grade rating to to deep into junk as the the overbill became apparent, and as credit kind of left the the electricity business. And so there's a group of us that left in, in the summer. And and, uh, and at that point, I said, you know, I, we were on to something with progressive power. I'm going to spend some time trying to figure it out. And living in Houston at the time, and I tell my wife, I said, I'm going to go out to the deer lease and get my head on straight and spend a lot of time in, in at the lease in Lukenbach. And then also just heading out to Channel Rock, do some hike and get my head on get my head on straight and and uh, that's where the kind of the business plan was was formed uh, hanging out ha- hanging out in Lukenbach and 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 on Enchanted Rock so that's that's where the name came from so that actually is a really cool story cuz <clears throat> that's a lot to unpack right i mean that's a lot of stuff you just covered i mean sun micro i mean i don't know how many people that are in this industry that right. started from i mean dean nelson right he's huh. He's one of the biggest celebrities in our sport for sure. And he, um, I know he was there back in those yeah. days and, and I've known Casey for years. I honestly, I haven't even looked him up and uh, to see where he's at. I didn't realize yeah, advantage. I think he's advantage. I think he just started. <clears throat> well, listen, ha- that's a great thing for both of them, right? Yeah. I mean, two great shops. I mean, this is a small industry, yeah. right? So it sounds like, um, you've always been a nerd. I'm guessing. Is that about right? Well, you know, I've, a nerd. A, 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 a was a, a grease monkey in high school, and, and so that's what I want to unpack, right? Yeah. So, are, you're originally from Texas? Yeah, uh, not originally, <laughs> but spent most of my life here. So, well, hold on a second. I think Chicago or something. No, actually, I, I, I was born in New York, lived New in New York, York lived in Chicago. Uh, father from New York, mom from Texas. We started in New York, ended up in Texas. So I was junior high. I think I was in seventh grade. You moved yeah. to like Houston or something? We moved to the northwest side of Houston, actually the Klein School District back when there was one high school in Klein. I don't know how many there are now. Yeah, there's some powerhouse schools there now. Yeah, so so we moved there and yeah, I, I uh, was Greece. How monkey. old were you when you, like, hold on a second, because you moved there in seventh grade and then yeah, you so went was, to A&M, right? I did. So you went to high school Klein, went yeah, to a and I, 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 Were so, you an athlete? You know, I played junior high stuff, but I was- So you were a nerd? Yeah, too scrawny to to play football in high in, in high school. In Texas, for sure. I know, at, at a, whatever. I think the Especially big school was four A at the time, and that's what Klein was. And <clears throat> and uh, but I, I mean, I played a lot of sports growing up, but not not at the high school level. So, I, I yeah, I started you know started knocking around with cars and tearing them down and building them up. And in high school, in high school, like junior, what in particular? Like, did you have a specialty of some kind? Uh, on, on the type of car? Yeah. I mean, were you like, a, I'm a Chevy guy, 55. No, you know, I mean, I actually had a, an, imp- I, would, I would usually get cars that didn't run that somebody would give me. Right. Oh, and then and, you would just tinker with I, the engines. And I would just, I would just get them running and fix them. And I had a Chevy Impala. I think I had a, uh, 71 Chevy Impala. And then, then after were that. Were you just a tinkerer? Uh, you know, I'd, 
you know, I'd, I hope there wasn't I did an more internet than... back then, right? So a lot of people yeah. don't realize that. They're like, oh yeah, it's super simple. You just go online. And there's a YouTube video. No, no, no back no, in those days, no, you just, you just, it was trial and error. And in yeah. school, like, did uh, my high school, I had you had auto shop. You could yeah. take an auto I did, shop. I didn't take shop or anything, but I, I just kind of learned trial and error. Um, Were you working on all aspects of the car? Pretty much everything. Yeah, I had, my now, the my best car was a, uh, it was a '70 Le Mans, and. Uh, my my sister had the car, and I don't know what she overheated it and burned up the transmission. Just sitting in the garage, I said, "Dad, do you mind if I I take the just car? Take a, take a run at it." Yeah, so so just went down to some junkyard somewhere on Shepherd or Airline or somewhere like that. I don't remember in Houston, and and just got a an old transmission, brought it home and put it in, and got the thing running. And uh, um, it just and then kinda, you only charged them half as much. You know, I just kept the car. Oh, for real? That's yeah, what happened. Yeah, so, I, so I, I kept the car, so that was cool. And and uh, that I had a lot of fun with that car. And, you know, that's, we ended up spending a lot of, you know, Friday nights working on that, maybe drinking a beer, maybe not. And, yeah. and, and then taking it out and running it late at night and running down Kirkendall back when nothing was there. So. And then from there, from high school, you took your uh, passion for working on stuff and yeah. your nerdiness and you went to A&M. I did. I actually, so I was actually working at a at a garage, which which is right next to the, the high school client car care, and, and just doing light mechanical and busting tires and stuff like that. And uh, that's a so, cool job in high school. Yeah, it was it was a great job in high school. <clears throat> I had a lot of fun with that and uh, worked hard, and made a little bit of money. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, did you have good grades and stuff? I, like I that? had pretty good grades, so I, I, I did I did fine. Um, I did fine in school and, 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 and so, but I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go to college and, and I, it wasn't much to that decision process, right? I said, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to A&M. That sounds like it's pretty close and they accepted me, so I'll go there. How and, far was that from where you live? You know. A couple hours. Not even that. I mean, we're on the northwest side of Houston, so, I mean, there weren't a bunch of highways like there are now between Houston and, and College Station, but probably like an hour and a half. That's probably convenient. And, the, the way I picked my major, I said, well, I don't, all I know is about working on cars. So I guess I'm going to be mechanical engineer. So that's so, how it all works. That's how it happened. And, and you and joined the Corps there too? I did. And again, once again, like a lot of things in my life, I stumbled into that. I'm up up at the, the school for an orientation in June and uh, um, I, I went to this thing and this guy from the Corps is talking. I said, this sounds pretty cool. And uh, they, he's proud of what he does and, 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 uh, Ended up joining the Corps and, and uh, came home. I told my mom, and she, she just kind of laughed at me. And, you didn't what? I can't believe that. But, that's not a guaranteed commitment to active duty, no, though, right? No, that's uh, the Corps. You, you don't have to go into the military after that. But I ended How up— How many are in the Corps? You know, I don't know today. Um, back then, it was about 2,000. I so. say there is—somebody uh, told me that the Corps is so big now that it graduates as many Army officers— I'm not gonna say it's West Point, but it, it's, they they graduate they, they graduate a lot. Uh, you know, it's a it's a, a great uh, source of, of officers for the military. Um, yeah, the, sure. the uh, and I ended up in the in the Navy in a Navy Marine outfit, and that was kind of I, I didn't even. How did you stumble the, into that? I, I, I again just stumbled. They said this. Did is you the, have any friends that were in a branch? Uh, or I had a friend things? that that uh, they went in, into an Air Force branch, but but. Uh, I did, you know, they just said we were just going to put you in this outfit. It's in the Navy Marine unit, H two. And uh, did you it, care? Did yeah, you? I didn't care at the time. I said, well, that sounds good. And so I did that, and 
Did, why were you doing it though? I'm sorry. I want to, I want to slow you down just because this is a really interesting segue into some of the other things that we do. Right. Like I'm, we have another part of our business. I mean, building data centers is the most exciting thing though. It's, we love doing it. Right. We do it all over the place. Right. The other thing that we really enjoy, and this may become, you know, the greatest part of our, our job is helping veterans. Right. We're a veteran, I'm Navy as well. And, right. And helping them transition out of the military and trying to codify that in the language. Mm. At the same time, I'm trying to figure out how I can explain to others why some people went into the Navy instead of right. the Army or the Marine Corps. Right. And yours sounds like it literally was a coin flip, it sounds like. It, it, was, yeah, it wasn't even my coin flip, I guess. So, But I, I ended up in, in that unit, and for whatever reason, I really liked it and did well with it and, and, and uh, enjoyed the, you know, the, both the physical and 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 metal challenges and 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 I, you know just it seemed like fun i came came from was it because uh, he asked you like you were headed off the prototype then did you know that you wanted to no be... i didn't know any of that yet i just i mean it's kind of a once again a funny story about stumbling along but i ended up doing pretty well with with all of that and you know I'd, all through high school i've also been a runner so the the physical aspect wasn't that big a deal um and so did fine with that had good grades and and um ended up getting selected for a leadership position going into my junior year. And at the time, I was still in the Navy outfit, but I was in an Air Force ROTC because I tried to get a scholarship in, in the Navy, and, and they said, no, you've got flat feet. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm running like five miles a day. You know, and so it, it seemed I a lot of— flat feet. They let me in. <laughs> yeah, it, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. And so, and so then I— um, I, I was selected for a leadership position in the, in the Navy Marine Corps unit and at, over the, the whole, what's called the regiment. And there was a, a Marine Corps colonel who was in charge of that. And he heard I was in Air Force ROTC. He just said, that's bullshit. And I had a scholarship in the Navy the next day. So that's how I ended up in the Navy. So Okay. But that, <laughs> at the end of the day, you kind of got to choose and you were like, I'd rather be with them or I want to be in the well, Navy. Well, I mean, it, it, I, I, was, I was doing the Air <clears throat> Force because the Navy wouldn't take me. Gotcha. And so, sorry, Air Force vets, but uh, don't ever apologize right. to the Air Force for anything. I know, I know. But, they don't even but, make movies about this. I know. It's just there's nothing fun about it. I, I kind of was excited also about you know just just the the water and I you know grew up around the water and and, and being on the water. So it's like I, I really wanted to be in the Navy after I kind of was out of boy, out of boy, and so. I, and I was kind of kind of pissed. I didn't I didn't get get the nod at first, but then after that, it, it worked out pretty well. And then uh, I said, "I'm in the Navy. What am I going to do?" And, and did you have to commit by then? No, by your junior year. Uh, actually, my junior uh, by then I had to commit because I had to take a scholarship to to take this position. And so I I was now committed going into my junior year. I had to it with the position was called sergeant major of the regiment, which then led to the commanding officer of the regiment. And um, if I didn't screw up, and and so. Uh, committed then, but um, in a paid kind for of school after that. Yeah, paid paid for school, which wasn't hard at A and M back then. It didn't. I mean, there was uh, the tuition was so low. I always said the Navy, the military in general, got, gets a great deal out of A and M on scholarship. So oh, I bet. So, uh, but yeah, so so kind of figured out that the the Navy nuke thing sounded pretty cool. As in the mechanical engineering program, going fine with that, and so I applied for that and did. You know, we did. Test and interviews and all that got accepted. I think I got. A, I want to say, I was probably around uh, either end of the first semester, beginning of the second semester of, of of my junior year. So knew I was going Navy nuke at that point. So I was super excited about that. 
I may have started coasting a little bit then, but uh, and my 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 GPA definitely peaked before that. <laughs> so I'd, I'd had a good good time my my senior year for sure. And and uh, that's cool. Yeah, so it was fun. I was you know did the core thing. Had you have to make sure you're um, you're capable of drinking enough before you get in the Navy or we, you, or you we, we definitely, we definitely practice that. So <laughs> I can see it. That's good um, training. But, but, um, yeah, so that, that was, uh, that's ended how I ended up in the Navy and, and how I ended up in the, in the nuke program. And, but and why didn't you pick submarines? Ah, uh, so my, let me tell my, over. Good, good question. Great question. Let me tell my <clears throat> sophomore and junior year, Kirk, they, they had this thing and I, I don't know what it's called today, but back then it was Cortramid was the acronym and you spent a week with each service and I went west oh, yeah. coast and midshipman so, cruises. Yeah, the midshipman thing. So did you know, a week with surface, week with subs, week with aviation, and week with the, the Marine Corps. And I was on the sub for about three days and I said, I don't know if I can do this. So, oh for real? Were you on a boomer or was it No, well, it was just it was it was just an old, <coughs> an old was it out, attack, of? out of uh New London or, or No no it's, a, it's San Diego. Uh, no, it's down in San Diego. I don't remember What's the what's the sub base there? I don't remember. Oh, North Island in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. So I was so, in uh, that's it. I was Atlantic Fleet, so I don't know many yeah. details about the Pacific. But um, we did the same. I mean, we were picking right. up midshipmen all summer and running yeah. around. Yeah. And quite frankly, it works right because yeah. the design is to shake you guys out. Yeah, we want people like Fuck this <laughs> because you don't want right. You don't want you don't want to figure yeah. that out on month three of a deployment, right? So um, I, I, it worked. I, the part I love the most about the sub was like. Being up on the conning tower outside while you're coming transiting. in, yeah, it's pretty cool. That was that, it's like you're sitting on top of a whale or something. I thought that was fantastic, but I I I knew I didn't want to do that longer term, so I ended up going surface, and because um, the only option on the surface is the carriers. Right? Well, it was carrier and cruisers back then. Cruisers, yeah, we had new cruisers. That was a lot of fun. That was my second ship. Um, first ship was the Eisenhower. I uh, did did uh, did all my quals there. Got my you know, did, did the plant quals and got got my chief engineer quals on 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 the Eisenhower. And they had then, what four reactors, eight screws? Uh, no, uh, it's two reactors, four, uh, four screws. screws, and and uh, um, I, I, the the whole deal back then was if you went on a carrier, and and you know you work your butt off, and and then they're going to send you topside to 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 do a um, a tour on a conventional and go shoot guns and have fun. And went up to see my detailer in D.C. to try to you know. Get get to like an Arleigh Burke class or something like that. I said, no, that's not going to happen. We got a problem on the USS South Carolina, which is a cruiser, new cruiser, and you're going to go be MPA and fix it. And it's like, okay, <laughs> name propulsion assistant. On yeah, a so it's like, uh, and wasn't what it, what I had planned, but it ended up being a, a fantastic. I was like, that sounds like a cool job. It was a great job, and and um, I got there. And there was definitely some challenges that, that had to work was on. Was your inch good? Yeah, actually, fantastic, and 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 um, he kind of. Gave me enough coaching, but but also let me do my stuff, and I quickly got there and found kind of the the the, the chiefs and the, the petty officers who knew what, what was going on, and 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 kind of formed some bonds with them, and 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 you know figured out okay these are the things we need to get done, and and about I don't know six eight months later, really kind of had things humming. I was I was excited about it. it wasn't me. I just had some great folks, and. Uh, but so were you like a division officer? Is that where they the, the, I had uh, I had uh, I think I had, at the time I had two division officers working for me, and and uh, okay. so I was I was kind of one step. I, I came in as an O three, so as a lieutenant, but working for the chief engineer. It's a little bit different, I think, on the boat. The MPA is a, kind of at a di- division officer level, so I was 
Yeah. One level above that, coming in as a lieutenant. Where were you stationed at? Norfolk? Or you I, went... I was Norfolk. Okay, so you, when you graduated from A&M, you went to school probably in Florida, Orlando? Went to Orlando. Prototype in Six months, got married in between nuke school and prototype. Went to San Antonio, got married, and drove to, to actually prototype in, in Windsor, Connecticut. They had a little little bitty baby prototype S1C. And, and Windsor, and I actually lived in West Springfield, Massachusetts, just due north because it was too expensive to live in, in Connecticut. And, uh, um, but did that for six months and then, and then Newport for service warfare officer school. And, and, and that was fantastic because I did that during the summer. And what then were you on for that. Oh, wait, it was just, that, so that's, that's just a school. Warfare pin. That's just, a no, no, school. just, you just get the school done and, and, and then you go to the ship. And so I got to the, how long is that school, by the way? Uh, it was like three and a half. Four months, something like that, but it was but, it was perfect. But in that, what are they teaching you? I mean, you learn kind of the basics of navigation and driving ships. They have these boats called YPs. I, I think they still have them, um, but they're, I want to say, 80, 90-foot diesels, and they got a, a, a chief will have be in charge of each boat, and his job is to, you know, take take these ensigns out and beat them up and teach them how to drive ships and do, back, back then we'd do flag drills and everything else, but... Had a good time doing that. There's a lot of a lot of classroom stuff, and then then go out on the boats and and have fun with that. But did that did that and ended up on the Eisenhower in uh, I want to say it was uh, right around September of of uh, gosh that was eighty uh, seven and and uh, so um, did did that uh, that tour on the Eisenhower and 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 uh, two years I was out in Norfolk. We did. Did a med cruise, um, and and that's when I, I got my my chief did I actually didn't have my chief engineer exam yet when I went to my detailer, but he said, look, you know we're going to send you to the South Carolina. So I came back, came back to the ship and talked to the CEO, and I said, look, I really need to work on my swope, and is it okay if I I stand watch up on the bridge and and down on the engine room at the same time? He said that's cool, and he really supported me. That was fantastic, and so spent a lot of time. I'd be on watch in the engine room, do that stuff, and then literally just kind of run however many ladders it was up to the, the top of the, the tower to, to stand watch up there. And so I ended up getting both chief engineers calls and 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 uh, surface warfare pin on on the Ike. That's awesome. Yeah, that was man. I was just that was a lot lot of work, but a How lot long? of fun. It was like like nine month evolution. I mean, that sounds I, like know, a long grind. Well, I was I was on the, the ship for two years. You got to oh. kind of do calls that work up to that point. You're, you're running a division. I was reactor mechanical division officer, and and so still the kind of the mechanical thing, and uh, and then, um, uh, probably I want to say it was right at the very end of the tour. I got my 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 SWO pen and and chief engineer's exam. I had to had to go to DC. Do and, they tack them on when you're an officer? No, no, that that's for the aviators, right? They, <laughs> on the submarines, they do it. Do they? Okay, yeah. I guess the, that's that's. Shoes or or wimps or something, right? But uh, but then then went to DCA school and then, then ended up uh, on, on the South Carolina and then that's when I was MPA. So I already kind of done two years at that point and and was a lieutenant. So you went to DCA after MPA? Uh, DCA school in between the Ike and the South Carolina. I, I was I don't even know why they they sent me to the school they just did and then but I got to the ship and and then was MPA and then. Uh, Doing that for about six, seven months, maybe a little bit longer than that, I guess, but um, maybe more like ten or twelve months. Now that I think about it, and and um, we uh, we were over in the Red Sea during the first Gulf War, and the DC ended up 
having some challenges, had a, a nervous breakdown, and and just said said, hey, can you be DCA? It's like, what am, what am I going to do? Say no, All right? So I said, sure, I'll do that. So I was MPA and DCA for a while, and, and I loved that job, and and that's when I first really started learning about diesels, right? And and that's a lot of the background for Enchanted Rock came came from my time as DCA. That makes sense. And and uh, I mean a lot of you learn a lot about the reliability systems in general and 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 redundancy and and in de, the design and 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 kind of the rigor of the operations and maintenance from the nuke program. But the the cool thing about being DCA I got to work with the whole techs, everybody else, the non nukes and, and So that's damage control. Yeah. Right. So for those that don't understand like MPA's main propulsion assistant, that's right. obviously and everything having to do with propulsion, all the mechanical stuff having to do with moving the ship through the water and generating electricity. I, I own that. And then on the DCA side, though, that's damage control. It's, right? a, it's that's a, everything. damage control, all the auxiliary mechanical equipment. Um, You're the firefighters on the everything. ship. Everything, yeah. The firefighters, the, the any the guys, damage to the ship, right? And and, and then any any of the diesels. I had the di- all the diesels on the ship's boats. And how how many and how big? Like we only have one on a submarine, right? Yeah. So we we had two emergency diesel generators, and then all the ship's boats had diesels. My gosh, I can't. How remember. big were they? I'm trying to remember. Um, In I mean, I mean, I'm just remember, trying to remember horsepower, but um, I mean, they're big. They're big engines. Um, I want to say, five thousand braking horsepower per engine. I don't know. Yeah, maybe a little bit, a little bit bigger than that, because they're probably they're probably somewhere around around five megawatts or so. Fractional. Um, that's about right. Yeah, so, so maybe a little bit higher on the horsepower side. Um, but uh, you know, it, it kind of I kind of watched that and learned how how the right way to run a diesel and the wrong way to run a diesel. Right. So. Our emergency diesel generators had this master chief who was in charge of those guys, and you'd walk into that space; it was immaculate, right? And 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 the diesel was painted; it was beautiful. I am geeking out a little bit, I guess, but That's my man, it, call, call it call it diesel beautiful, right? And uh, I mean, meticulous attention to detail. We ran them once a week, loaded, and they and they always ran, and 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 just like clockwork, right? And and just kind of watched how he he him and his crew kind of maintained those diesels and, and and just the attention to detail like i said even just on the appearance right and you could tell that there was attention to detail on everything having to do with that diesel and then on the other hand the diesels on the ship's boats and that was man that was just a nightmare every time because we couldn't run them they're just sitting there we could run them unloaded you could kind of bring a water hose up to run them that was a pain in the ass and so we were at, at sea most of the time we pull into port and drop the ship's boats in the water and it was just uh, for the DCA, that was always, you know, a good reason for the the captain to chew my butt. Like, why, you know, why aren't my boats running? Like, ah. and so it was like, it, you know, probably fifty percent of the boats weren't when you put them in the water weren't going to run well. And and we'd be in port for three days, and I'd barely be getting getting to shore. And we'd get by by the time we we're ready to leave, all all the all the the diesels on the boats are running well, right? But there's just there was only so much you could do, and. Um, so I kind of learned a lot, like I said back then, on on the right and wrong way to operate and maintain a, a, a diesel, and it, it, it's interesting. Kind of like I think about when I first started looking at, at at backup generation. It's like, man, a lot of this stuff looks like the stuff I saw on the ship's boats. So let's so, let's take it to that because <clears throat> I I definitely wanted to understand where the nerdy stuff comes from because you're not just nerdy on the engineering side, right? You're also pretty nerdy on the finance side, right? Yeah. So you just have and I say that with the term of endearment. I mean, this industry does not lack genius or intelligence, right? In my opinion, the only thing that really lacks is people that have true leadership 
potential right. or the courage to be leaders, right? Um, you obviously learned both, you know, the technology side of the military, very familiar with that background. Um, I, I mean, you went to A&M, which is, which produces amazing leaders, right? And mm. it, they have, I, I served under A&M grads mm. and um, I mean, I'm, they were top of top notch ah, for sure. Well, thank you. I think A&M Notre Dame had uh, amazing officers up yeah. there too. And I mean, obviously the, the Academy, mm -hmm. but, um, it's, yeah, the Aggies always think that the, the officers coming out of there are better than the Academy, but you know, what's interesting for me is, so I have a son at the university of South Carolina. Um, and my uh, next son who's graduating in a few weeks is going to the Citadel. Oh, good. So it's kind of like the yeah. whole school's the core, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, he doesn't have to commit day one, you know, but he's pretty sure he knows what he's going to do. He thinks we'll see, but um, you know, every man of my lineage is military. So we have, uh, you know, someone right. that's worn this uniform across, you know, that's every fantastic. branch. Right. So speaking of which was your lineage. Yeah, it's funny. No, uh, my, my father, and and none of his siblings and my mom and none of her siblings were military, but both of my grandfathers were in the Navy. So yeah, you know what? Cool. So with me and it's pretty prevalent back in those generations. You know, it was right. a little bit more common, I guess, maybe. But so you um you went from you know New York, Chicago, Houston, A mm -hmm. and M. You're in the Navy, all over the place on the mm -hmm. East Coast. So you were uh, you made a med run. Any other cruises? Or yeah, I did two uh, two meds, but actually the second one was was really more. I was more just uh, desert, starting like off desert shield, de desert storm. And we were um, actually, the, we were down in the Caribbean doing the drug enforcement ops because it was the end of the fiscal year and everybody had, else had run out of money for fuel. So they sent the nukes, right? Yeah. Okay, go did. down and do, do, go do drug enforcement. Around which was, like Curacao, Aruba area? Uh, yeah, the whole, really the whole, the whole Caribbean, right? We're all oh, over. Oh, for sure. And uh, which... It didn't really matter what we did; they just found another route. But it 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 put us at sea a lot. And we got home; the, the fleet had already left, and they were already on their way to the med. But we didn't need fuel, so we just we left Norfolk, independent steaming straight to Haifa, Israel. I think we did it like thirteen days, you know, probably average twenty eight thirty knots the whole way, and 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 uh, which is super fast, pretty fast, pretty yeah. fast, right? And and for a nuke, you know, you're it's no big deal. The only, you know, only thing that happens is the lettuce turns brown, right? So, but, uh, um, so we got to Haifa and got, got um, resupplied and then, then met everybody in the Red Sea. So we were, we were probably spent more time in the Red Sea than in, than in the, the med for that, that second cruise. So were you guys doing ops? Lots yeah. Of so we were, uh, there was a, a UN resolution it wasn't a blockade. But the closest thing you could come to a blockade, I think, it was six six one or something like when that. When is this? This is like this late is nineteen ninety, late nineties, nineteen uh, early nineties, uh, nineteen ninety, like ninety one. This is right, um, actually nineteen ninety ninety one, and and right uh, right before um, the Desert Storm started, and and uh, we were basically every. Ship that went in, we were with an armada, international armada, kind of a UN armada. Any ship that went into the Gulf of Aqaba, we would we would stop and search. So we had we had a Coast Guard detachment on the ship, and we had our ribs. And so the deal was that it, as if a if a naval officer boards another ship, it's an act of war. If if a 
um, without permission. If the Coast Guard officer does it, they're considered law enforcement, so they could do it. So we would have a, a Coast Guard officer and, and, and enlisted from the Navy on, on that crew, and they would go search the ship for any war contraband. So we did that. Um, we did not have the longer-range cruise missiles, which I was upset about, so we didn't really get to, to fire any of those. So we did mainly um, the, the U.N. Uh, not blockade operations so in in the red sea interesting how like what's the what's the crew size for a ship like that for a cruiser the south carolina is yeah um i want to say man i want to say we were kind of four or five hundred something like that but i mean just how long is that it's it's about uh five six hundred yeah five hundred something feet if i remember correctly but you know the the, uh, you know it's not a frigate not as small as a frigate but but Definitely not the carrier. The carrier with the air wing on board had about five thousand, right? Yeah, it's crazy. So interesting. So you, um, you were in for how long again? A little under. Uh, I was a little under six years. I got out. Um, I was supposed to get out um, during Desert Storm, but obviously that's not going to happen. So came back. Um, was it like sequestration or something? How did you get out? Yeah, pretty much. No, just everything was frozen and, until all that was over. And, and did you want to stay in? You know, it did you, was. Did you enjoy what you were doing? I, I loved. I totally loved Kirk. I love what I what I did in the Navy. Um, I started my family, and and actually my 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 oldest daughter was born like a month before I got out. And I mean, it was a hard thing to get out, but it's just one of those things. Like, man, I'm just gone all the time, and and so yeah. I love what I did, but hard hard way to raise a family, and and. Uh, but but didn't take anything away from from you know how much I loved it and what you know what I learned and and, and so much of what I learned, um, I'm I'm using today so that that's super cool. But I, it was hard. It was hard getting out. Was um totally get that in that transition. Like, did you know what you were doing when you came out? Like, what do you uh, you know where did you fall not, back to where you yeah, came not, from? Not really. I didn't you know as usual. It's kind of stumble into the next thing. Um, so. I actually was on a, a pretty good track in the Navy and, and kind of started to accelerate. And, and, and so, and just busy and, and, and having fun with it and, you know, fixing stuff and, 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 and driving ships and everything else. And, and um, so got out and I said, well, you know, the thing to do if you're a Navy nuke, go work at a, a plant. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that back then. And so I worked at, uh, Plant Farley, uh, part of Alabama Power, and which is part of Southern Company in Southeast Alabama, and and uh, I mean nothing against it, but it was just it was uh, it was just tough. I mean the the industry kind of frozen at that point. Um, Chernobyl had happened, you know, four or five years before then. When I Chernobyl happened, like two months after I got on the Navy, and it's like ah uh, okay. And and were you was it like a job where you're sitting there like in a room like Homer Simpson in a reactor control panel <laughs> it, and or well, so was I, there like I was real... I was a maintenance support engineer and did that for a little bit and then they selected me to go into the operations uh, the licensing path. So and be honest though, at that time when you were changing, was your wife like, listen, you being deployed sucked, but we live in Alabama now, <laughs> and like I didn't want to be punished. Well, she or did you like she, Alabama? She she loves Alabama. I wasn't so happy with it. I mean, it's a great state. Nothing against folks that are from Alabama, but it was such a a big wind down from where I was, and not so much where I was living, just the job. I mean, I was used to going a million miles an hour, and 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 just 
like I said, just high stress. How'd you get that? Fun. How'd you find that job? You know, like, just was it before you just, came out, or did well, you? it was before I got out. Did did the interviews, and everything else, but you know, you you um, did they find you? You find them? Uh, you know, there's just recruiters, and, and there was, yeah. Okay. So it and it's not too dissimilar to a lot of the stuff today, um, and and uh, so. I interviewed and I think I got two or three offers all at, at plants and, and, um, and then ended up taking that job. But I was in that, in that deal for about six months. And, and, um, uh, I was like, man, I, I just don't know if I can do this. And just, I figured out that to get promoted, somebody has to retire or die like above you. And there's just, there, and there was no growth and, and, and everybody's starting to talk about, you know, nuke business is dead. I'm like, ah, what am I doing? I'm, you know, I think 28 at the time. And like, I can't, my career can't be over, can it? And so I had a friend, actually another Navy nuke, uh, Notre Dame grad. And he he calls like, man, you ought to go to business school. It's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. He said, I just applied to Harvard and they really like Navy nukes. They put me on deferred acceptance or something like that. It's like, okay, well, let me, let me give that a shot. And so I, I applied and it's the only school I even applied to. It's like, you know, I, I heard they like Navy nukes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try this and 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 uh, um, and you know I, my grades were were pretty good coming out of college. Like I said, I coasted a little <laughs> bit the last year, and so I figured it had to be somebody that that appreciated something else other than college grades. And so they they let me in. So I, I said, this must be some kind of like social experiment thing they're doing. This this Aggie is going to go to Harvard Business School. So um, I did that and had had a fantastic time with that. That was that was great and. And um, this is about the time they're getting ready to de- deregulate the electricity market, and a lot of the debate for that was happening. When in, when in, it, when was that? This was ninety two through ninety four. Okay. And so the the debate on how the markets would be deregulated, but a lot of it was happening in Boston. There's this guy Hogan who was over at the Kennedy School of Government, and Joskow who was over. I don't remember what group he was in at MIT. So typical MIT Harvard debate. On, on the, the kind of the structure of the of the um, the, the markets and and I think Hogan was the guy that actually I'm probably going to get this wrong but one of them was arguing for this concept called pool co which ended up being what the all these ISOs are now and the other was saying no we don't need this just it could be bilateral like everybody can just deal with the other person and so out of that debate came you know you know. PJM and ERCOT and oh wow California ISO all that stuff came from that so it was really cool I was kind of following that I didn't know anything of what I wanted to do but I thought the, oh, this power stuff sounds really cool a lot of the power deregulation had kind of coming from that background so you literally stumbled into that I stumbled into by that by being at business school right. at Harvard at the right time and so damn and then then what a perfect industry for you to apply your background yeah into it was with it was it was great and so I. Uh, you know, Enron was up there recruiting, actually Jeff Skilling. Shut and, up. And uh, he'd come up and recruit, and 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 I said, man, this Enron's in the middle of this. They're doing great stuff, and and they actually were, and did do a lot of great stuff. I know folks hear about Enron, like, oh my God, it's House of Cards. Did fantastic things. First of in, in, in a lot of the deregulation and just. You know, so hold on, let's back up. From business school, when you graduated, you went straight to Enron. I went to, I went to Enron, so that was. And they a, moved you to Houston. Moved to Houston. That's how I ended up back in Houston. I actually said, never, never moving back to Houston. I always said, you know, I want to, I want to come back to Texas, but I want to live in Austin, right? And it's like okay, and I actually did a summer internship at Dell, and and, uh, um, but but ended up um, getting recruited by Enron and 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 went to Houston. So that was in in summer of '94, and. Uh, 
So it was great because I was able to use my background understanding kind of power plants in general. Okay. And, and so and it started off doing some stuff on the oil and gas. I was, I don't want to do this. I, I want to go into power. So I ended up and and did, did some power kind of structuring on different types of deals of the financial structuring, but ended up. What was the primary thing that launched um, Enron? Like it was, they helped create the re- like the legislation uh, you know on led- the power side or on the gas side well what so, side was bigger power so right? uh, they started off gas it was kind of the merger of a few different pipelines um back in the early to mid 80s I, I don't even remember which pipelines honestly and 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 they were they were big into the deregulation of natural gas and did really well with that um and so they saw the same opportunity with power they said we're going we're going to build a, a power Trading risk management origination group do the same we'll kind of copy what we did in natural gas, and so they were pretty important and pretty influential and in, on the policy regulatory side and influencing kind of how the how things developed. And, did know, that per- market segment even truly exist yet, or were they kind not of, really? Yeah, they were, they, were, they were kind of early on. So this is kind of deregulation at the the high voltage transmission level, and and uh, so kind of the kind of big block trades were you know twenty five fifty megawatts. So what was the, the handicap? Like what? What are they doing? They're aggregating power and then creating their own rate table and trying to hedge against well, the different market. Well, um, really, it's just it's just trading like anything else. Um, you know, in the early days, and and there was no online anything. Everything was like over phones, either directly with a utility, or um, you go through a broker. A lot of times, the brokers would be in New York, and we'd have these speed dials and these dedicated lines. All this stuff, old days. All the all the futures trading was actually open outcry in a pit. You know, it's everybody's like, oh my God, you're old. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh so, um, I mean, we spent a lot of time, I was training West Power. Um, we spent a lot of time just literally going out, driving around, going to the different utilities. Hey, would you guys transact with us? We're really looking to, you know, uh, help. And I don't know how many times, like, literally get the door slammed on us. I was like, no, we don't want to talk to you guys. Why, why didn't they want to? I just, they, cause it was, it was, it was different from what they were doing. And, and so, but over time. Were there certain markets or pockets in the United States that you were targeting or trying yeah, to? Yeah. So up? we had different groups. We had the Western Power Group and, you know, kind of Western Eastern. And they're very, very different Who, grids. Who's that, like PGE on that side comment up there? Like, is that how you broke it down? Yeah. We would, of? we would just, yeah, we just kind of really look at the, within a certain, like the West was very, so we, we, we broke it apart by the interconnects, right? So you have so we had three three groups west texas and, and east and then then you would kind of look at the utilities within that group that the the west is a very very different transmission grid the way it grew up and probably telling you stuff you already know but there's a lot of shared ownership in coal plants right so if you look at the western grid it kind of end up getting built around these coal plants and then around hydro right so so you have a lot of shared ownership so that you'd have you kind of have these 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 different plant, whether it's a dam or a coal plant, and then all these transmission lines coming out to the different utilities, right? So the these these different points ended up becoming trading hubs. It's kind of cool. Like you hear about Mid Columbia. Well, that's Mid Columbia is is the middle part of the Columbia River in Washington State, where there's a lot of different ownership between what's called these public utility districts and the and, and investor-owned utilities. And so they've become natural places where people would say, "Look, I'm." I got too much power today. I'm, gonna, I'm looking to sell it and vice somebody short. And so they end up trading, physical trading at these different hubs. They establish a, a thing called Western, Western Systems Power Pool, which is kind of a common agreement all the utilities use to trade with each other. And so what we were trying to do at Enron, like, hey, can we join this thing and trade with you guys? And 
they got a little bit of pushback, but over time they, they accepted us. And, and, and so it was pretty cool. We, we uh, ended up doing a lot of different types of transactions, but I mean, it, it, I mean, I don't want to make it sound more sophisticated than, you know, it, than it is. Cause it isn't, I mean, you, you want to buy low and sell high, right. And, and, or, or, or sell high and buy low if you're going short, but, but you really had to understand it back then, especially the kind of the physical nature of the system, right? So you had to understand how electricity is generated. You know, you understand what this is. You had to really understand understand how trading. Right. This is a coal plant. So that was always my forte coming from the Navy nuke background. I really understood how power plants work. And I was like, I hear about this tube. So you're handicapping the capabilities and limitations of a power plant. Yeah. When I hear about a plant outage, I could pretty quickly tell that's a, that's a two day outage or a two month outage. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I could, that was kind of my deal. And also just digging in and learning more about hydro. And, and so, you know, did that for about three years. I left Enron in 97. They bought Portland General. So you left. When did they collapse? In 2001. Gotcha. Once again, I just... You're right place. You. I, I, I mean, I was there when it was fantastic, and I left before it got silly. So I, I, I kind of once stumbled into the next thing. And so Enron bought Portland General, and they said, you can keep trading West Power, but you have to move to Portland. And I said, I don't want to do that. I, want, I mean, all my family's in Houston now. And so ended up... Um, uh, I had, had a good friend that went over to this company initially called Eastern, um, was it Eastern Group, whatever. And Statoil was a, an investor and they ended up buying the whole thing. So it, Stato, it became Statoil in North America, the Norwegian-owned uh, state-controlled oil company. It's since changed its name. But uh, ended up starting up a West Power Trading um, deal for those guys. It kind of sounds like the power trading was like the Wawa West. Yeah, it was kind of. It was. It was a lot of fun. Um, it, it, you know, it, you kind of had to, you know, use a lot of common sense though, because there were some things that happened later on that that where people got got in a lot of trouble. And actually, it was the the it was the guys at Enron that, that got in a lot of trouble. And actually, the the group that they wanted me to go join that luckily I didn't. And um, at, so we ended up kind of going back to that story with Progressive Power with Statoil. We uh, we were there for about. A little, a little over two and a half years, and Statoil got hurt. There was a, a credit blow up in the east, and um, they kind of had these chains of custody of a, of a transaction. And there was there was a, um, a city of Springfield in Illinois that couldn't pay, and so kind of it just caused this default across the thing. And Statoil was at the end of it. I was not my group, but. Um, and they said, "Look, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want this." The Norwegians said, "We don't want to be in this. This is too crazy, right? This whole power trading thing is not, not capitalized well enough." And this is like ninety eight, ninety nine, and you know, Enron happened in 01, right? So they, that was pretty good foresight for them to see that it did not have enough capitalization behind it at the time. So it was a little bit of the Wild West for sure. But um, yeah, so so we were at Statoil, and 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 they said, "Look, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to sell the business," but and. First a joint venture, then a sell, sale, and they, they never did. And, and so they said, we're just going to shut it down. And, and at the time, we were trading West Power, and uh, my, um, my, my good friend who I've been working with since 97, known since 95, Corey Amther, who's the current president of Enchanted Rock, um, we, we had a, a pretty big position, and we were along about 2,000 megawatts of West Power at the time. This is in 99 going into 2000, and 2000 is when... Everything kind of got crazy with the the hydro. Everybody blames that on Enron. The Enron did not cause it. It was a, a low supply issue, but um, we ended up. 
Oh, for spiking the power. Yeah. yeah. So we had a, we had a pretty big long position, and the market had started moving our favor. Said, so look, and our my boss said, I need you to I need you to liquidate your position. I'm like, oh man, we're we're in the money, we're making money on this. I said, I'm going to do that. Uh, I, I would rather not go to the bilateral market. Let me just go sell it to the utilities. And so Corey and myself, we went out and flew flew into San Diego and rented a red Mustang convertible. And we literally drove Pacific Coast Highway, went to San Diego Gas Electric, Southern Cal Edison, and PG&E, like selling power, right? I like, like knocking on like doors. Just I got, knocking on doors. Just knocking, right? on, knocking on doors. I mean, I got some power to sell you for summer of 2000. Do you want any? And so San Diego Gas and Electric and PG&E both said, no, we're not interested for different reasons. And um, Jill Horswell at, at, at Southern Cal Edison said, I'm really interested in this. And and uh, she was managing their, their supply side. And, and so we ended up, my gosh, I, we were selling them at least 1,500 megawatts, and which ended up saving them because everything went crazy. And, yeah, and, and they, they had a big, big part of their, their position was covered. And so she, uh, she asked me to come. This is now in 2000. Early 2000, asked me to come back and consult and help her with some stuff and and uh, more on technical analysis on charts and we, we we were getting into that at the time and and I and I told her I said look I, I mean I don't care what the technicals say the fundamentals say you should probably cover the rest of your short position before the summer right and sure enough it went crazy and it, she did really well with that but what we learned when we were out there is like man there's gonna there's gonna be some some blackouts right there, there's not enough supply and that's kind of and we started Progressive Power Solutions. It came out of that, starting, you know, again, just being out there, being in California and talking to folks and, and both on the utility side and then final customers. That's when I met, met Casey, uh, Casey Mares. And, and, and Where was he at then? He was at Sun. This is when he was at Sun. And we started working on that deal. And, um, uh, but, but yeah, that, that whole Progressive Power Solutions came out of that, came out of that, that trip in the with Corey and I on the Mustang and the convertible going up Pacific Coast Highway, and that's where Progressive Power Solutions came from, which was the precursor to Enchanted Rock. So now you have the whole origin story. So what is so? Listen, that's exactly what I wanted to get, man, because I know that I've heard a few different pockets of information, but only from a few folks that actually would know it, you know. And sometimes I don't even know if they knew it all. 